Good morning, everybody. We're in this legacy series. And while, I was, while we were having worship there, I had to decide whether or not I was gonna do the message I already had planned. Sometimes the Lord will test a pastor whether or not he's going to follow. And today's probably one of those days, so I'm, I threw out the message. But that doesn't mean I don't have one. I want to talk from my heart about legacy. I want to talk about what it means and why it's so important for you, for me. You know, I've, I have a family that I belong to. My dad was a pastor for... Well, he still, he still is. I don't think he'll ever stop being one until he dies. Even then, I think he might be one up there. So, But my great-great-grandfather, great-great-great-grandfather, three greats, Tilden A. Parsley, was a circuit-riding preacher. And he went around sharing the good news of Jesus. I assure you, I have had many praying grandparents praying for their kids, praying for their grandkids. I am positive that I'm standing here in front of you today because my grandma prayed. Because my great-great-great-grandfather believed something deeply. We're sitting in a beautiful building that's one chapel's building because another church made sure that this was a place where God's presence lived for many years. How many of you Austin Cathedral peeps we got in the room? Come on in here, that's all right. Pastor Bill Hart and his wife Sue created a legacy that I believe we're going to get to live out beyond them. Not that he's going anywhere soon. Right? Yes. He's not done, he's just shifting gears. And um, I think there's something we have to really get about a conviction that we have about what a legacy means and what it actually does for the people who come after us. And we've been reading this passage in Isaiah 58 and there's this section of it that talks about how if we'll treat people right, if we'll do the things that God is interested in us doing, if we'll take care of those who are in need, the oppressed and the poor and the weary, if we will be aware of other people around us who are not okay, they're people on the margins, they're people who are in trouble, Isaiah 58 says, if you'll be the kind of people that will be aware of those people and take care of them and have the conviction that is required, not just to do ritualistic worship, which is kind of what we're doing here, right? We're coming, we do this weekly, and the goal is never to make it ritualistic, right? It's all about relationship. But it can easily become ritualistic. 
If you just let it become another service, oh, we gotta get up and gotta go to church. If it's, a, if it's a duty or an obligation and it ceases to become a relationship, you will be in trouble. That conviction's not deep enough for a legacy. So you and I have to make some really important decisions in our day, in our time, in our culture. How we're going to live and what we're going to think about and how we're going to act. Isaiah 58 says, if you live your lives in the way that God tells you to live, if you live out your faith, if you live out your worship beyond the walls of the temple, that's what he's talking about, beyond the walls of where it, where it, where it always happens, if you, if you take it out beyond these walls, then your lives will start to glow in the dark. Pastor David taught on that three, two weeks ago and you guys all had these glow sticks and it was a living illustration. Listen, listen, we've got, our lives have to glow in the dark. I think Jesus says this again in, and a few times in John 8, 12. Alejandro, can you put up John 8, 12 up here so I can read it perfectly? It's close. There, I am the light of the world is what Jesus said. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but, everybody say but, but we'll have the, we'll have a little light somewhere that they bring out every once in a while. Matthew 5, 14, I think it is, where Jesus says, he talks about a city on a hill and how you and I are the city on a hill. You don't put the light under a, a, a cup or a bushel or, a, or something to hide it. You let it shine. How do we let it shine? I'm convinced that we don't let it shine because we fundamentally forget who we are. Who we are. Turn in your Bibles with me to Luke 15 and this is the story I'm gonna read today and then we're gonna close. Luke 15 is the story of a bunch of lost things. It starts with a, starts with lost sheep and Jesus is talking to the tax collectors and the sinners, okay? So this is all the tax collectors, all the sinners, all the people who are crooked, all the people who didn't know how to live, all the people who knew how to live but didn't anyway. Uh, It says in verse one, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees, so the people who should have known better, the religious leaders and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It's because they had a picture of holiness that said we gotta be separate. It's, a, it's an inaccurate view of God's calling on our lives. God doesn't call us to be separated from the world. He's called us to be in the world, just not like the world. It's a tricky thing. It is. Jesus starts saying, you don't get it. You, you religious guys don't, you're not, you don't understand why I'm here. 
And then he proceeds to tell the story of a lost sheep. Now, shepherds were at the bottom of the social ladder. Shepherds were not respected in any way, shape, or form. They were dirty, they were grimy. They hung out on the margins of every village and town because that's where they belonged. Jesus talks about a lost sheep and says, the shepherd leaves 99 and goes and finds the one. Part of our namesake has to do with this idea for the one. The next story is the parable of the lost coin and Jesus intentionally, I'm convinced, he uses a woman in the story because women were not respected in his time. And Jesus was always trying to find ways to elevate those who were marginalized. Always. That's what he did. Hey, that's what he's calling us to do. Anybody who's marginalized, anybody who's oppressed, anybody who's put down, you're and I, you and I are called to be the people who lift them up. He says, he gives this story of the lost coin and this woman scrounges all around her house because she's lost one coin. And then she finds it and calls her neighbors and they, they throw a party. But then he gets to the parable of the lost son, also known as the prodigal son. And I'm just gonna read it to you and, and I want to help you see something in the scriptures that we need to see as God's people if we want to be legacy people. Verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, this is a quick verse, but there's so much behind that verse because this was embarrassing to the father. Essentially, the the youngest son, right? Not the oldest son, the youngest son. The oldest son had priority, right? But the youngest son comes and says, I don't want to wait till you're dead. In fact, I wish you were dead now so I could have my money. That's kind of the feeling that it has. You don't get that from this one verse, but that's the culture they lived in. This would have been a terrible thing. So this young man says, I want the money now. What's so amazing is the father gives it to him. You know, you and I pray for a lot of stuff. You and I ask God for a lot of stuff. And some of it's not good for you. But God will give it to you anyway. If you don't understand who you are, sometimes he'll give it to you so you can figure out who you are. That's what he does here. So what he does here, so he, not long after that, verse 13 says, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. You know, you and I, we have really good plans, and we get all this stuff, and then we just waste it in so many ways. We don't spend it on anything that counts. That's what this kid did. There was no investment going on here. He was, there wasn't any, this kid, this kid did not know who he was. He's trying to find himself. Or probably more likely he was trying to cope with how he felt, how lost he really was. 
So he spends all this money. And when you, when you do that, when you, when you go out and you kind of do your own thing and you spend it and you think everything's gonna be awesome, my life's gonna be great, everything's, and then something happens you didn't count on. Just comes out of nowhere. Oh, there's a famine in the land. And so he ends up being in need. So verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now most of you don't understand how bad of a job that really is. But it's not only that that's a horrible, stinky, awful job, but Jesus is telling this story, remember. This is a story that Jesus is telling, right? So he's picking the characters on purpose. Older son, younger son, Pigs in the Jewish world, you don't touch them. No bacon, no ham, no. This is an unclean animal and he's driving the point home. He's driving the point home that this kid who'd lost his way found his way to becoming totally unclean even though he was part of the family. But he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know who he is. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, <gasps> there it is, the best line in the whole story. When he came to his senses, you guys, so many of us, we all do it. We keep going, we keep going, we keep trying to figure it out. All right, I, 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 I'm just gonna keep trying. All right, I've wasted all of everything I have. Uh, I guess I'll have to go work for this guy. Oh, I get it. it never occurs to him to go back home until he comes to his senses. Did you know that you can pray for people to come to their senses? Actually, what, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict people of their stupidity. I have a phrase that I like to use sometimes, and it's this, sin will make you stupid. It just does. Sin will make you stupid. You compound enough sin over a lot of years, and it, you look really stupid. You'll do stupid things. You can pray for people, though, to hear from the Holy Spirit and for the Holy Spirit to convict them gently and the way only he can, not from judgment from you, but from the work of the Holy Spirit in their life and convict them of their sin, and suddenly they come to their senses. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Now, Jesus is telling the story. Remember the context. And he's, and he's telling this story about this kid. And the kid is thinking to himself. He's a man by now, but he's thinking to himself what he's going to say. He's preparing it in his mind. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants so he got up and went to his father. He's rehearsing in his mind who he thinks he is. A failure. An idiot. 
a young man who's not worthy of his father's love, not worthy of his father's care. He's rehearsing in his mind who he thinks he is, undeserving. And in some ways we could say, yeah, what an idiot. Sometimes we say that about ourselves. A lot of times we let this thing play out in our, in our minds. The bottom line is I want you to see how he didn't know who he was. He doesn't know who he is yet. He's still wrong. And he's coming back home. But he thinks, he, he, maybe I could be a servant in his father's house. But while he was still a long way off, I love this. What's the first word there? But. So many good buts in the Bible. That's what all you're going to remember. A bunch of you teenagers are going to be at dinner. You're going to say, yeah, Pastor Ross, he said but. Listen, but while he was still a long way, a long way, like he's not, he's not close, he's still a long way off. His father saw him, which means his father was looking for him, waiting for him, and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned, he's playing out his thing, against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Because listen, this goes back to the bad things he did. Like he embarrassed his dad. Like he sinned against heaven, against the way things are supposed to be, and he sinned against his dad. And he said, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fat and calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The kid didn't know who he was. You got, Ben, you can come up. The kid didn't know who he was. So he didn't understand how much he had. He didn't understand how much his father had for him. He wanted his share. I'm going to get my share, and I'm going to do what I want with my stuff. That's the attitude of the prodigal son. Sadly, that can become our attitude very easily, very quickly. If we don't understand who we are as the church, as God's people, if we don't understand who we are, it can easily develop into some kind of distracted, myopic view of our lives and we get stressed out about every little thing, every financial thing, every career thing, every relational thing. We just get so consumed that we end up acting like the son who's just trying to spend stuff to cope with the trouble. You know how I know this is because the next verse talks about the older son. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing, so he called one of his servants and said, what's going on? So he said, your brother has come. He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf. Big deal, fattened calf, not the skinny one, not the runt, killed the best one. Fattened calf because he, was, he has him back safe and sound. 
And the older brother became so angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Look, look. The older brother had done everything right. But he didn't know who he was either. Which is what made him so angry. Because listen, listen, listen. Because the, the, here's, here's, think about the older brother. So he watched his father give all his younger brother's stuff to him, all the inheritance, gave it to him. Now has welcomed him back. The older brother's thinking, is he going to give him my inheritance too? Like he's like, what, what is happening here? The older brother didn't know who he was either because he still saw things through the lens of, oh, this is mine and you never gave me my thing so that I could do my thing. You and I as Americans are steeped in that attitude. My individual thing. You, we forget we're part of something huge, worldwide, the kingdom of God, doing something so profound and powerful if we'll only realize who we are that your father has enough for you not only for you but for you and others and it's giving that starts tapping into that whole thing where you realize oh yeah I got plenty I know God's going to take care of me I'm going to take care of that person I'm going to take care of that homeless person I'm going to make sure this person has what they need I'm going to make sure that I'm living out of generosity and grace towards others because that's who I am. And if you don't know who you are, you won't be able to live like that. Look what the father says. Verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me. You're always with me. I'm always with you. You've always been with me. Some of you who are Christians for a long time, God's saying to you, You've always been with me. Look at the next phrase. He says, and everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Jesus is telling this story. Don't forget, this is not a story of something that happened. This is Jesus telling the story to his people, the Pharisees and the religious leaders while he's eating with sinners and tax collectors, and he's telling it on purpose. He's, it's an illustration. It's like, you people of God don't know who you are. If you will only get it, that God sees you for who you are and has rescued you. If, if you could only see that he loves you enough to give you everything he has. If you could see that you are the kind of person that he's chosen to make sure that the oppressed go free to make sure that those who are hungry have food to eat. If, you, if, if you'll be the kind of people who will take care of widows and orphans, if you'll be the kind of people who will live out of this generous heart that God has toward you, then you start understanding who you really are. And that's what this son finally realizes. 
He says, everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Jesus is making this whole point. Lost shepherd, lost coin, lost son. People being found. People realizing that they're part of something a bigger family, people realizing they are loved, people realizing they are not destroyed or distant from God. He's leaning into them and all he wants is them to look to him. This is who we are. Taylor wrote this song about the prodigal and I want you to hear it and I want you to let it sink into your soul this morning. Because we have to We have to really settle who we are if we're gonna do what God's called us to do. And listen, I wrestle with it just as much as you do. We're all level at the foot of the cross. Remembering who we are is the start to a generous life. Remembering who we are is the start to a legacy that will go beyond us. But it doesn't happen unless you know who you are. So I want you to just Let's worship the Lord for a moment and we'll finish as we sing this song.